right. Happy birthday, Brooke and Savannah. Uh, proud of you. Sid Druin, I'm the campus minister for RUF Reform University Fellowship. We're glad you're here. Uh, we hope you feel welcomed. Uh, RUF is really for any kind of person. We want to be a ministry that you come from any personal background. We want to be a ministry where you come from uh, any part or scene on campus and feel welcomed into our community and feel part of our community. So we're really glad you're here, especially if you're new. We want to just say thank you so much for coming. Uh, it means a lot to us. So um, you might have noticed I have no notes up here uh, because I'm actually not preaching. Um, so well, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Um, but I actually get the opportunity to introduce our speaker, which is none other than Ruben Van de Zandt. So as we're kind of preparing to catch our breaths, um, let me just introduce him. He's the intern. This is his first year. And he's giving me a much needed break. And he's giving himself a great opportunity. He's going to talk about joy. Um, and then I gave him joy, and I'm taking shame next week. So, <laughs> so Ruben, come on up here, bud. Thank you so much. Give him a round of applause. for a night. This be good. <laughs> I was printing out my notes this, uh, 20 minutes earlier and uh, I, go to my, I go to my printer and I look at them and they're blank. I'm thinking, the last like 15 hours I spent on this have definitely not gone for naught. I look at my printer and it's, it's completely out of ink. <laughs> Black ink that is. So you guys are getting blue notes. You can't actually see it. <laughs> That's what you're getting. Um, so yeah, Psalm 150, we're, uh, we're continuing Sid's series on, um, on emotion uh, and on psalms uh, and proverbs and what that does for us. Um, so Psalm 150, like, what, what's it about? We look at it, we can see pretty obviously there's a lot of praise. Um, and, then, and I'm going to try and tie that in with joy. Um, but, but coming back to the sermon title, um, sorting our joy, in, in general, is sorting life. Um, this is one of Sid's titles. Praying our emotions to God and applying God's wisdom to our decisions, our relationships, and ourselves. That's sorting life. Praying our emotions to God, applying God's wisdom to our decisions, our relationships, and ourselves. Um, so we'll be continuing to look through Psalms, as you can see, pretty obvious. Um, we're looking at the realism of the Psalms. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to find. Uh, you just look at the Psalm. What does it mean? How do we apply it to our lives? Um, so we're looking at the way they express all of our various emotional states, from, from anger um, to joy, to, to shame, um, uh, in a simultaneously wondrous and tragic world. Um, and we're also studying the sculpting power of the Psalms, uh, the way that praying them forms our hearts to be less divided and to speak ourselves to God more precisely. Um, so without further ado, we will look more at joy as expressed by praise in the Psalms. And as you can see, there's, there's no mention of, of joy, right? Um, but we get this, we get this expression, um, we get, we get praise as the expression of the psalmist's joy and what he finds in God. So let's walk through it um, and see what we find. Um, but yeah, when you think of joy, when you think of praise, what first comes to mind? Like, do you guys, what do you think about? Do you think about a specific place? Do you think about a location? Um, me personally, the first thing I think about is um, church service. 
Um, but there are other ways to praise. Um, and I have a really uh, great story about a backpacking trip I took up on Mount Mitchell. Um, and it was not up. I will, I'll make sure you guys know that it was down Mount Mitchell. <laughs> I'm not a backpacker. And it's a lot easier to backpack down a mountain. Um, so I was up there with a couple of friends. Uh, it's the second day. We have about 10 miles in our hike to get to the next campsite. About a mile and it starts raining. It's miserable. I didn't have a rain jacket. I didn't have anything to kind of cover me up. I had something for my pack. So that was dry, but I was walking down nine miles down a mountain, getting soaked, getting drenched, not really enjoying it. Get nine miles in, and we get to a split in the trail. One of them goes up the mountain, one of them goes down the mountain. You can guess which trail we had to take. After nine grueling miles, for me grueling, of walking down a mountain, we have to walk another nine miles back, or another mile back up the mountain to get to our campsite. I'm just thinking, this is it. I'm done. I can't, I can't hike anymore. I'm just getting to the top. I'm going to eat, and I'm going to sleep, and that's it. I'm not going to enjoy this trip. Um, and that's what I did that night. I got up there. I ate. I slept. Not so well. And I woke up that morning ready to, to kind of just like continue down kind of with a miserable day. Um, and one of my friends suggested that we go to one of the lookouts nearby uh, to kind of, you know, work our legs kind of from that grueling hike down the mountain that, the day beforehand. Um, kind of see what the mountain had to offer. And I don't know if you guys have had the pleasure of uh, a morning on the mountain um, where you get to go up to a pinnacle. You get to sit on, on rocks that have been just warmed by the sun, looking down on the mountain and the valley um, and all the trees that kind of look like an ocean, you know, undulating over this vast expanse in front of you, um, birds chirping. It's just, it's just beautiful sight. And we sat there for a good 15 minutes just not saying anything just in awe of what was in front of us. And like to this day, that's kind of probably one of the like biggest images that sticks in my mind of, of creation and what it looks like and, and how beautiful it is. Um, but that's it. That's all we did. We sat there in silence. Um, we kind of enjoyed the mountain for what it was. And then somebody suggested we go eat breakfast because we were getting hungry. And that's what we did. We, we planned the rest of the day, and, and we went back. And that was, that was what it was. And reading through this psalm, I kind of I kind of start asking myself the question, well, what's the difference between what was praised up here in creation and who God is and, and what I did on that mountaintop? Um, and the conclusion I come to time and time again is that I didn't know how to express joy at that scene. Um, I mean, what should I do with joy? Should I just feel it? Is it something that just stays inside of me? Um, and I think kind of looking back at what we've looked through the psalm before and looking at sadness um, and hatred uh, or sort of looking at anger, um, it's not something that just sticks inside of us. Sticks inside of us. It's something that we have to express. Um, it's something that we have to to live. Um, so the psalm here suggests praise to express joy, but there is there is certainly no praise on that mountain. Um, you know, when we left for breakfast, there was nothing more, and that was it. Now I'd argue that that disconnect isn't just limited to praise on the top of the mountain. Um, it's an everyday issue that we all struggle with, and I think C.S. Lewis has a pretty good grasp on this when he when he wrote about psalmists. He said these poets know far less than we for loving God. They did not know that he offered them eternal joy, still less that he would die to win it for them. Yet they express a longing for him and for his mere presence which comes only to the best of Christians or to Christians at the best of times. And I think about that and I think about, does that describe me? Does that describe my, my mountaintop experience? Um, yeah, that, that describes it. So, so how, do we, how do we deal with joy? and How do we deal with expressing that? And, I, and I, would, I would propose that Psalm 150 helps us in redirecting our praise and our attention towards God um, and helps fill our lack of praise.
So while Psalm 150, you can, you can look at your handouts, kind of breaks down into four distinct areas um, of praise. The where of praise, which is in verse 1. You have the what of praise, which is verse 2. The how of praise, which you can see in kind of verse 3 and 5 in the instruments. Um, and then the who of praise. Um, but the first thing we see as we as we read through the Psalms after we after we see our command to praise the Lord um, is a command to praise Him in a location in an area. Um, and kind of as I had alluded to earlier, like the first place that I think of when I think about praise is in like in a church and like a praise and worship service. It's literally in the name of what we do. Um, or some of you may think about tonight just in RUF what we just did right now, um, praising and worshiping. You know why do we why do we, why do we associate praise with a specific location, um, and, is, and is that a, is that necessarily a bad thing? Um, I mean, it's a specific place that we all come together to, to sing praise to God, um, in a very similar way to what we just did here, joining our voices together, um, not just for what He's done in our lives, but for what He's done in the lives of the brothers and sisters standing around us, um, and in memory of of what He's done uh, in covenants and fulfilling them through the Israelites. And Psalm 150 affirms that type of worship. It says, praise God in his sanctuary, verse 1. So we see that's a good thing, that we should be praising and worshiping God in, in his sanctuary. Um, but the psalmist doesn't stop there. He doesn't say just in the sanctuary. He doesn't say leave it for the weekend in church or on Tuesdays. He didn't even know Arif existed, so I don't know how he could have said that. <laughs> um, but no, he goes on He goes on this, to exhort us to praise in his mighty heavens. Um, God's mighty heavens, the universe. Um, is not limited to the couple thousand square feet we might call the church. Um, no, his mighty heavens includes our home, our school, our job. Um, it includes the mountains, and it includes the valleys. It includes everywhere on this earth. Um, praises to occur everywhere, not just as the communal outpouring of joy, which we may be more familiar with. Um, so if joy is expressed through praise to God, and we limit our praise to just a few hours a week in a certain location, do we then not just limit our ability to express joy? And I think that's that's kind of what I ran into on Mount Mitchell. I, I had limited praise to this idea of this location, that it could only be in the church. Um, and I had no concept for for expressing that. So when I think of joy, I, also, I think of weddings. Um, weddings are full of joy. And uh, I clearly remember the wedding of one of my two close friends this past summer, uh, Luke and Kara. I've known them for five, six years. Um, and I don't know if you have the pleasure of going to a wedding, but if you have, you would most definitely agree with me that you will not find two people more in joy um, in each other and what's going on in the marriage that's going to happen, um, that bride and groom. So I had the honor and pleasure of being the best man, which means I get a front row seat to whatever's going on. Um, whether the bride and groom start crying or they drop the ring, or I drop the ring, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was undeniable, their passion for each other. And the love, it was, just, it was contagious. Um, I'm sitting there, I can feel it. The men behind me can feel it. All the audience can feel it. Um, but was that like what was I getting out of that? Um, I was getting a new tie. I got a, I got a tie from that. But I wasn't I, I wasn't getting married, right? I wasn't getting married. Um, I was filled with joy because I was witnessing, witnessing two of my close friends unite in a lifelong friendship, um, so they might be able to pursue each other in love and and as God had pursued them. And that is a beautiful thing to witness just in the same way that creation is beautiful. Um, so in tears, not like streaming down my face, but definitely trickling down, um, singing hymns that they had selected for the ceremony, I had the opportunity to praise God for that, um, to give thanks for what he had provided them, um, this picture of his love. 
Um, that expression of joy through praise um, is the expression of joy that we seek both at community and church. It wasn't just me praising God when we sang those hymns. It was, it was all the people there, all hundreds of people, um, praising God for what he had done. Um, it's, it's, the, it's what we what we seek at the top of our respective breathtaking mountains, which is a joy that becomes complete by praising the God who gave it and becomes more powerful in unison. So what does that mean for our praise? I think that means we can't leave praise for the weekend. Um, it's just not uh, it's just not healthy because we cannot express joy outside of that praise. And as Sid pointed out last week, um, our joy is tied to our gratitude for the work of God in our lives and in creation. God is the careful writer of every story, and we can find joy in that. When you experience joy and pleasure, the only thing you have left to do is acknowledge its source at the hand of God. So what is praise? Like I've been talking about this idea of praise. I've kind of given you guys some examples of, of what it looked like in my life. Um, but like, what is the core substance of it? Um, and that's kind of what's answered in the second point um, in verse 2. We praise God for his, his mighty deeds um, and praise him according to his excellent graces. Uh, that's our answer in very short and simple terms. Um, the psalmist's praise here is not rooted in something in himself. It's rooted in something that's greater than he is. It's rooted in God. Um, it's not his own actions. It's not his own abilities to, to write poetry. Um, it's rooted in God's love for his people, the Israelites, um, and in God's excellent character. Praise is glorifying God. Um, the story of the Israelites is more than enough material to praise God for. Um, we see that in all of these psalms, in a lot of these, these praise psalms. Um, there's a story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, where we see an entire nation, previously enslaved, um, brought out of slavery, living in a land they can call their own, um, also after having traveled through the desert for years. That's pretty amazing. Um, on top of the multitude of stories the Israelites personally had, there's also creation, something that we can share with them, this idea that um, uh, the mountains and the streams and the flowers and the wildlife, the sun and the stars, all these, these beautiful things that God has created for us. So the psalmist here is glorifying God for who God is and all of his might um, and for the ways that he has provided for their sp- physical and spiritual needs. But I think the beauty of the Christian story is that we have more than that. Kind of as C.S. Lewis was alluding to, um, in all of that, we have God's providence over thousands of years. Um, but that's topped by the ultimate act of God's love uh, and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, who died for us. I and mean, that made purely out of love um, for sinners like us so that we could have a hope and a future with God um, and a relationship with him. We have the ultimate reason to praise God. Recorded right here. I brought this Bible up just for this, in this book. <laughs> you, always, you always need some, uh, some props. <laughs> so <clears throat> this praise, this feeling of awe and love and power uh, makes me think of the way a child might see his father and I got a good story for that uh, my dad is super smart like beyond smart like he knows everything you know that book that they give fathers or when they just become the dads when they just become fathers that tells them everything in the world yeah he read that book from cover to cover and memorized everything so like you would ask him how do I fix a leaky faucet? He'd know. Okay, how do I like how do I put up molding on the side of a window? Oh, here you go. This is how you do this. What is what is this calculus derivative? Oh yeah, here you go. It's just like he knows everything. So I'm just sitting there in awe of who he is. Just kind of like, this is my dad. He knows everything. He's also really strong, especially when you're younger. You're like, he can he can lift 20 pounds. <laughs> What's going on here? Um, so being my dad, he took on a really big project. He uh, 
he decided to finish off our third story and make it into a bedroom. And this is not like some light project of like a, a some small 20 by 20. This is like huge, maybe the size of this room. And he's like, we're going to finish this off by ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean my dad, my brother, and I. Me being like 10, 11-ish, and my brother being about 13. So this is all my dad, really. Just <laughs> telling us, here, you hold this. Actually, you can't hold that. Here we go. I'll nail this. <laughs> the amazing thing was that he, like, he knew everything. Like He knew what to do. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to build a house before. You might have. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Um, but there are a lot of codes that you got to go through. You've got to. There's so many things you have to know to be able to build a house, right? Um, and to be able to mark it as a room to live in. Um, that I'd just be swamped. Even now, trying to think about, okay, what do you need here? What do you, you got electrical? You got drywall? You got insulation? Like he knew what type of insulation we needed, so that it would best be insulated for the house. And he just knew it right off the bat. Um, so why do I tell you that story? Um, I'm proud of my father, um, and I feel joy. Like I, I feel joy in being able to retell it to you, um, and it's made complete in doing so. I think that's the same way that we, we kind of look at God and his mighty excellence um, and his great power and his deeds. This idea of that it's, it's not really us that's doing it. Like we're sitting there, we're kind of bystanders, and we get to experience his creation. God's the one who we're proud of. God's the one who we give the glory to. Um, and C.S. Lewis, again, has, has some great thoughts on this. Um, and I'll leave this point again with him. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It's it's appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It is frustrating to have to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good it is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon, the, um, upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people you care for, um, that you are with, care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch to hear a good joke and have no one to share it with. The Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But then, and then, we, will, we shall know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. And commanding us to glorify, God is inviting us to enjoy him. And I think that's, I think that's a beautiful quote. And I think it, it really sums up what praise does for us in helping us to ex- express our joy and how it completes us. But how do, like, how do we praise? Like, wh- how do we go about doing that? We've been told that we need to. Uh, it's a great way to express what joy we have. But how do we go about doing that? And I think these next couple verses, three through five, um, through these mu- musical instruments help, help kind of describe that. Um, so we, what do we see here? We see a trumpet. We see harp and lyre. Um, I have, you guys have lute and harp and strings and pipe, tambourine and dance. A little bit different, uh, but these are all instruments that they use, um, uh, kind of as like backdrops to their, their, their rituals. Let me see what I have on here. Um, so, so they use it for entertainment and background rhythm to dances and ritual performances. Um, so just think about that as we as we kind of go through the musical quality of what these instruments bring. I mean, just look at a trumpet. That's the first thing we encounter. I mean, I, can, I think we can safely assume we've all we've all heard a trumpet before. Hopefully, um, but like think of like majestic outbursts of sound, right? Almost angelic. I mean, you can just you can image search. I, I did this as I was writing this. Herald angels on Google, um, and you'll see trumpets abound. <laughs> but don't do that now, please. Uh, at least wait until I'm done. 
Um, but, but think about what the psalmist here is praising. He's praising God for his mighty deeds, right? And his excellent greatness. What better way to acclaim the majesty of God through this, this imagery of a trumpet resounding? Um, we'll look at the harp uh, and the lute, um, which they're both kind of similar in quality. You get more of a feel of a, a subdued and calm music, right? Uh, almost like love music, uh, even more so when juxtaposed with the bright sound of the trumpet. Uh, and my favorite, which are the symbols, the last you find on there, are loud and unmistakable. Right? You're not you're not going to hear symbols crashing and be like, oh, what was that? <laughs> right? Everyone's going to know that you're using them. And I can just imagine in a small town, huh? Just imagine in a small town like in, in Israel back in the day, you know, late at night. Where the resounding clash of cymbals pierce the night. And you go, oh, there goes Ishmael again, praising God. <laughs> I mean, how can you not how can you not hear that? And I think that's a great way all of these kind of help describe what praise should be to us. Like you can't not hear Ishmael praising with cymbals. Um, so does that mean we're supposed to get rid of this electric keyboard? I mean, it, it wasn't listed in any of those. Um, and do we need to buy more brass instruments? Because, I mean, I, I would say yes because I love brass. But we got a couple in the audience who like it too. Uh, but no, I think that misses the point of the Psalms. Because um, I think the point here lies not in what's used, but in the broadness of the tonal qualities. You see, there's no limitation here to how and for what you should praise God. right? It's almost imagery of choice here is music, and, and that's a great way to describe praise. Not only does each instrument help convey God's mighty deeds and excellent character, uh, but they allude to an orchestra of instruments, right? This idea where all instruments work together to praise God. You know, the lute is definitely not the same as a cymbal, but both <coughs> praise God, right? Um, each instrument has a unique way of praising, um, as we, I think, and this is where he parallels us in our praise, um, in his, as his creation have our unique lives and our gifts and our personalities with which we all join together in an orchestra of sorts. Um, beautifully making a joyful noise to God, right? And that reminds me of a uh, story back in uh, in fifth grade. I was, I had a solo music career. Yeah, you hear me right. Um, I, sung, I sung for my church's children, uh, children choir. So not like super out there, but you can probably Google me. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I volunteered. I got the part of Paul, um, which might be foreshadowing some ministry here. Maybe. I didn't know it at the time. Um, but that required me to sing about a minute-long solo piece. Um, I, like, I wasn't a great singer, but I was like, sure, I can do this. I get the piece. I try to start singing it, and I can't sing it. Um, and I realized that I needed to start singing in falsetto. And I don't know if you ever tried to sing in falsetto without ever having sung in falsetto before, but it's really hard. <laughs> Especially when you're like in, in the front of a stage with like hundreds of people in front of you. And you're just like, I, I can't do this. Um, so yeah, that's what I had to deal with. And I was definitely not Michael Jackson. Um, but that was still praise, right? That was coming before God with what gifts that I had, um, praising him for his greatness in the only childlike way I could at the time. And I think that should be inspiring because we can praise God in what we do and in who we are. That's how we praise God in the here and the now, in our daily life. We aren't limited to musical instruments or somber performances. Our praise reflects our own gratitude and our own joy for what God has done. So up until this point, I've kind of um, 
run on the assumption that that it's just us, we as humans, who are the ones who are praising God, right? Um, a lot of these, I mean, musical instruments aren't played by animals. Um, and you don't really hear, I mean, other than a parrot, maybe, but he's just repeating words about greatness and excellence. Um, so when he talks about, in verse 6, everything that has breath, like, what does that actually mean? Does that just mean life? Because oftentimes that is what, what is used as imagery. Or is it limited to just humans? Um, and I'd argue it's everything. It's creation. Uh, we can look at a couple other psalms, some other, some other passages. Psalm 145.10, all your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Psalm 148, verse 7, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the deeps. And then Revelation 5:13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That sounds like a pretty resounding everything. All of God's work and all of the saints, all of the great sea creatures, the depths, every creature in heaven and every on earth, and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them. That is what will praise the Lord. Creation is his own witness to the might and excellence of God. So what does that, what does that mean? I mean? Are we going to see alligators playing banjo as we paddle down a creek? <laughs> I certainly hope not because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> but I mean, thinking back, to, thinking back to verses 3 to 5, we can, um, we can remember that God is to be praised in who we have been made to be, in our talents and our gifts and in who we are. And because all of creation is called to praise him, that idea of praise applies to the rest of creation as well. That means the alligator doesn't have to pick up a banjo, doesn't have to step out of character to praise God. No, the alligator praises God by being an alligator, right? And the mountain praises God by being a mountain. In the same way we praise God as those adopted into his family, as we are. Um, we are God's creation. Um, we praise God. It makes sense, then, why the view from the top of a mountain like Mount Mitchell is so breathtaking. If God's creation is constantly praising him, it's going to sweep us up in it. So let's, so let's go back to my trip on Mount Mitchell, right? I'm sitting up there, 15 minutes of just silence. Like, what does that look like? What, what would praise look like for me if I, had gone, if I could go back and redo it? I could have one moment in my life where I was able to go back and change it. What would that praise look like? Maybe after taking in the, in the wonder of that view, it, it would have looked like a prayer, thanking God about the beauty that he's put in this earth, um, woven to his creation. Or better yet, maybe a prayer of spontaneity in which my friends and I praise God together, um, rejoicing in what's around us. Or, or maybe not a prayer, but purposely pointing out God's handiwork to those around me um, and bringing that back to those at home who weren't able to enjoy it. Um, and speaking of music, like we did earlier, why not a spontaneous song be heard throughout the hills? Um, you know, I could, I could have made the hills alive with the sound of music <laughs> in the same way that infamous governess in Austria did. You know, unabashedly out loud, right? Clear, piercing sound of cymbals crashing together to be heard by everyone around, right? This idea of praise is not something that you keep within yourself. You can't. It's something that everybody's going to be hearing. Um, so as I finish up here, I just want to ask you one question. Um, Something that I've had to ask myself and I've had to wrestle with and, and, and try to answer for myself. But what would it look like for you to try and express your joy in the mighty works and the excellent character of God as both part of his creation and as his adopted sons and daughters of Christ? Um, would you pray with me? Lord, uh, thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for the time you've given us here to study your word. Um, and I thank you for the conviction you've given me um, in praise and what that looks like. 
um, and being able to express my joy in you and what you've done for us. Um, I ask that this would impact our lives, that we would not be able to walk out of here um, without it doing so. Um, I ask that we would also take this next time of worship to praise you um, and to remember um, remember your mighty deeds um, and your excellent character. Amen.